Hello, I'm Toby Haydoke and I like Doctor Who and stuff. And I've got a friend of mine to choose a Doctor Who story and to nominate their favourite things about it. I have to then watch the story and see if I can guess what those favourite things are going to be, all the while commentating positively. Enjoy! Hello Toby, this is Jim Sangster. You know that guy from Liverpool who keeps popping up on the DVD extras? The story I've chosen for you to watch is the very first one but not the very first episode. <laughs> I don't want it to be that easy for you. No, we're going to watch the Cavemen episodes. You know, the ones some older fans call the Tribe of Gum. So that's Cave of Skulls, Forest of Fear, The Firemaker. The reason why I'd like you to watch these three rather than the whole thing is everyone rightly praises the first episode. It's a TV masterpiece. But they usually dismiss the next three. And I genuinely love it all. Thanks to the, the Five Faces repeat series in 1981, that was the first time I saw William Hartnell as the Doctor, and I loved how dark and moody it all was, watching it across a week in November when it was all dark and moody outside. Well, hello everybody. Welcome to, should we call it the Tribe of Gum, or 100,000 BC, or an unearthly child episodes two three and four call it whatever you like i will know what you mean either way so therefore the uh, uh, the words that you have used have conveyed your meaning which is all that is required uh and any further discussion is unnecessary i noticed by the way that jim sankster who uh by the way, um, is one of the most creative people imaginative. He showed me a, a creative people ever. Uh, he showed me a, a, a brilliant um, war machine that he'd uh, printed off with a 3D printer. I mean, any of those words going together, um, even 10 years ago, would have sounded to me like magic. Um, but he creates his own his own Doctor Who figures at home. He's an absolute genius. Um, but look... Yeah, Jim has chosen, I think, rather cleverly so that we don't get overshadowed by that first episode, which means somebody is still to choose that, which is interesting. I think that's going to be one of the easiest ones to do. Anyway, stop talking, Toby. And note to self, stop saying interesting. Whenever I say interesting, there's a klaxon goes off that goes, I don't think that's particularly interesting. Right, we are going to start by travelling back to the dawn of time with episode so episodes it's actually we're starting with episode two uh so we go to so i'm i'm on the dvd the wonderful beginnings uh dvd a box set uh so let's do this press play in three two one uh there we go now is this about the almost the the least thought of uh three episodes in the whole of doc two they're never episodes i've given an awful lot of thought to uh, because they are overshadowed by the first night uh, i like jim sangster saw these for the first time as part of the five faces of doctor who uh, which was a repeat season uh between doctors four and five in order to bridge the gap Leslie Bates there uh, has history as Shadow of Cal, uh, whereas uh, actual Cal is Jeremy Young. So uh, those 
were done at different times those even though this is on film as well um uh, and also you wouldn't hire an actor um to play i don't think jeremy young was cast when the shadow shot was done anyway um but uh, you wouldn't get a, get an actor to be a shadow at the end of episode one where you could get a, an extra who would cost i think um five pounds and five shillings and a penny uh whereas i think jeremy young cost 63 pounds so there we go that's a that's david rosen that young man uh who somebody tweeted me steve hi steve who i've never met one of those people you uh reaches out across the internet was was his neighbor and said oh you should interview this guy and and, and when i was doing who's around and moving around i i like the idea but i'd i'd actually got quite a few people from the dawn of who uh including warris hussein the director um, and a few of the camera personnel and people like that, and and I, and I sort of dropped that thread, and then when I was starting these podcasts, uh, uh, p- particularly the sister podcasts uh, to this one called um, Too Much Information, where I've started at the very beginning, I thought it would be great to speak to David, and sadly discovered that he'd, he'd passed away about eighteen months ago. Um, many opportunities like that I have not seized, um, uh, and I feel uh, uh, bad about. Um, I have to remind myself that I can't, I can't do everything and speak to everyone. But uh, seems extra frustrating when uh, something and someone is so close, um, and especially I think as as when you see somebody as a child and you think, oh well, they're a child, they'll be around forever. Um, which of course, time is slightly crueler than that, uh, and indeed, um, none of the adults uh, of guest cast apart from Jeremy Young as Cal is still with us so we have Derek Newick here doing a good job as czar it's a hard thing to be asked to do to rub a bone and shout at some sticks um and I I think the cave people actors in this do a really tricky job and they pull it off very very well uh I I, I'm, I'm I'm I've got a slight conflict of interests because uh, too much information at uh, the sister podcast to this um well done Derek Newark um that's that's hard and he really commits to it um uh, has has gone into these episodes in great detail and and part of what I do here as well as celebrating Doctor who I I hope is to impart some facts uh, or some observations uh, and I and I'm quite uh, look at that shot of the TARDIS on the landscape. Just something as simple as that, and the fact that it's a, a, a you know the first one or a, you know an early, an early piece. This is all history in the making. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm slightly wary that I've 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 given out a lot of information on this on the other podcast, which I know are the ones that people really like because they're the most downloaded. But they also are the ones that take the most work. So um, I hope you're enjoying these as well. Um, the feedback's been very nice, but everybody always says, "Oh, I really like." too much information well i bet you do they take forever so the tardis um has landed and here is this uneasy crew um hartnell in his hat uh so and i think originally originally it was planned that the tardis was supposed to break because of this journey um i don't think that's as blatant uh, here although obviously the rendering the crew unconscious uh, thing is not the usual modus operandi of the space time machine, which would get, which would get, which would cause a few problems. So, yeah, here's uh, 
is 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 Barry Newbury's Barry Newbury has taken over as designer from Peter Brahatsky, who who literally only does the first episode. Uh, in fact, not literally, he because he he literally only does the pilot. Barry Newbury actually had taken over by the first episode, even though Brahatsky gets the credit. Um, I like the word charlatan. In fact, I had a when I was a student, we had a theatre company called Charlatan. Um, uh, d- there's a, a Doctor Who moment, a Doctor Who. Um, that's uh, I, I think that was added uh, later. Um, well, and indeed, um, a lot of the crew dynamic is the work of David Whittaker, not of Anthony Coburn, uh, the writer. I think David Whittaker uh, uh, polished some of the dynamics be- be- between everybody because they're working out um, the, uh, how, how, how these characters interact. It had a very comparatively long genesis really but isn't this i look the, the two women in the background the two men framing them in the foreground uh, I, I love the way all of all of this stuff is shot this does have such it, 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 you know that i mean they're, they're making history and they they don't really know it but again we, we we focus so much on that first episode these are still you know uh early steps um uh, and 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 uh, and having this crew dynamic um, is is really helpful. Each one plays the role, and and Ian's really the the hero, isn't he? He's the the identification figure. And I remember I've been looking for it, and I need to dig it out um, because there's there's a speech. Is it in the making of Doctor Who about twin sons circling over or something like that? That that was always thought to be that speech that Hartnell's just done, but it it it. It wasn't, um, and I remember seeing that and going, "Oh, that's not the speech. Where did that that, that speech from Hartnell, that famous Hartnell speech, come from?" Uh, that's I think in the making of Doctor Who, and it's it, it doesn't come from anywhere. They've made it up for the making of Doctor Who. I can't check my making of Doctor Who because Chris Chapman's got it because I sent it to him for a documentary, and I haven't had it back yet. I must make a mental note of that. Well, I've now made more than a mental note of it. Um, and I know that set wasn't especially deep, but it's it's good, and that that very white landscape is 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 effective. Um, so yes, I first watched this as part of the Five Faces of Doctor Who, and I remember being slightly disappointed. It seemed obvious to me, and I think I think the production team felt so at the time. It seems like going back to cavemen time seems. Oh, hang on, this is the first televised footage we have of the regular. TARDIS crew. This is the first thing they filmed that was broadcast. They did the pilot before this scene on the landscape, but the pilot wasn't broadcast. They then filmed this, and then they made the first episode that was broadcast. So this is the first stuff that they did, and it benefits from being on film. That's a that's a great uh, great uh, shot of the Doctor, you know, establishing for the first time. Oh. Why, you know, why hasn't the police box changed? Um, which is something that, you know, now is, is part of the, the DNA of the show. The, the, the TARDIS's chameleon circuit, cloaking device, call it what you will, is stuck 
is a 1960s police box, and that's the first time it breaks, uh, which, as I say, continues throughout the show, whereas the Doctor having a fag, it's not a fag, it's a pipe, uh, uh, is something that happens for the first and only time here. There's a great shot of the axe uh, in, in the foreground, and Jeremy Young is a brilliant casting because he's got that very... Um, a striking physiognomy and there's there's makeup involved there as well that's sort of accentuated the the the, the sort of crevices in his slightly roman nose he's a, he's actually a very um handsome man uh uh but they they but he he does have a very striking countenance that they've they've used to um that the, the, the they've very very cleverly highlighted in in order to make him look sort of rough-hewn and caveman-y and the wigs and everything helps as well and his and that slightly sort of jutting jutting jaw thing that he does uh it, and he's the first doctor who villain welcome jeremy young the first doctor who villain oh yes and so here's susan now uh re-emphasizing the fact that the tardis is stuck which marjorie norris in the guardian uh, rather sniffly said well i don't know why it's still a police box uh, i hope that will be explained in later episodes uh, you sort of go well marjorie it's actually explained twice in this episode so um so so yes the, the guardian getting the wrong end of the stick and being a bit superior that's never happened before and i say that as somebody who writes for the guardian but uh, I, I also uh, find it infuriating at times yeah anyway let's not get into that um uh it's it's sometimes all right to 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 want um popular culture to be in uh, you know and and entertainment to be intelligent and smart uh, but you can do that without being sniffy about popular entertainment a lot of which is actually more intelligent and smart than it's given credit for. That anyway, I don't know why I'm looking at the Guardian now, but especially as it's the Guardian from <laughs> sixty years ago. Uh, but nonetheless, um, s snootiness does nobody any good. Uh, there's nothing wrong with things being liked by a lot of people. That's that's sort of how democracy works. <laughs> and yes. Sometimes democracy gets it wrong, which is why Shut Up Your Face by Joe Dolce uh, got to number one and Vienna by Ultravox didn't. But there, there have been worse um, failings of democracy, but that's that's the one that springs to mind. <laughs> um, uh, I, I love this TARDIS crew. I think it's such a brilliant dynamic and I think they're all such good actors. Uh, I, 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 I do think poor old Susan and Barbara get to scream at slightly too much. Um, and and have to be still she has to sort of throw herself at the at the landscape there and 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 I think they they sort of iron that out a bit I I, I think it's at its at its acme here um, let's not say they don't do it uh, and of course we we are talking about something from a long time ago um, and the sand is cold because. Um, winter is coming which means that uh fire is very very important um i have tracked down another of these kids but i've not heard back yet um and there's eileen way as the old mother and uh oh they're having something to eat there uh derek derek newark as Czar and Howard Lang, later famous for the Aneedin line as uh, as Horg. Um, 
and and the incubus. That's I've 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 said this before, but I I, I look at the, the way these three characters are framed, and but I think the lighting in this this these these cave scenes is fantastic because you know people in furs grunting each other is is not uh you know isn't is not the most promising of 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 dramas but the but the i think the way that they've they've made up everybody's teeth everybody's grown up their hair a bit um but the the lighting the 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 inky blackness of the dark and then the 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 sort of the the light that shines on the sort of sweaty noses and on the contours of the faces is really really effective and i think i think if more doctor who of the 60s had been lit like this it it, it would be as i imagined it to be um uh you know so some of the stories that were was was slightly disappointing on first viewing was because i'd imagined them to have you know sort of ink, inky blackness and actually they were they were quite you know the contrast was 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 quite bland uh so you know i think i, I yeah i think the lighting and i've i've got an eye on you know what i'm going to choose as my favorite things um but the, and the, and and these and and i and i actually think i know that uh, anthony coben the writer wasn't sure whether he wanted the cave people to speak when he was originally planning it i think it would have been an absolute nightmare to to write and boring to write as well as well without being able to use dialogue and i actually think the dialogue that they give the cave people the language patterns that they give them you know they're not grunts but they're also not 20th century speak and and it's a sort of curious halfway house that that that, that has a has an attempt to give a sort of slightly simpler mindset um which doesn't necessarily make sense when you analyse. Uh, I know a bit later on, you know, they, they think that friend is Ian's name because he says I'm a friend, but they know what other words mean, but they don't know what the word friend means. But, um, but I think that also that that sets up that, that okay that they don't know what some concepts are. I think I I think I think they've with something that could be really unpromising and really hokey. I actually think they do the cave people ex extremely well. Um, even though the story is, you know, the the story is a relatively simplistic power struggle, um, I think it's better. It is definitely a better story than it is often given credit for. Partially because of this weird, sort of alien displacement that uh, that we have. Everything is everything is sort of st the the environment is inhospitable. I th I think I think early in Doctor Who's history it wasn't just the people and the monsters that they encountered that were dangerous if you think about marco polo where the sandstorms and there's the desert and they haven't got any water that the very environment itself we are pitched from the 20th century into strange times where we don't have our own things at our own disposal and the, and, and you know and then terry nation's planets are right or, or or the planets in you know, the, the different environments in in marinus the snow and the and the jungle the, the very world itself uh the, you know nature climate all of those things are as inhospitable as people monsters politics and i and i don't think the show is ever quite like that uh as consistently again I'm sure you can now think of examples, maybe. But um, I, 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 yeah, I do get the feeling that, that, that the idea that the TARDIS would p 
pitch us into into things where everything was a threat and the the only sanctuary was the ship and that's very much what this story is and in fact one of the cliffhangers is about oh we've nearly got home oh no we're gonna have to go back to the to the cave and all of that um and that's so wonderfully disorienting i think and must you know must especially have been for a for, for, for 60s viewers for whom a lot of television was you know um set in boardrooms and drawing rooms and people's houses and or or or, or the hist you know anything historical everybody was from that place like the, the the clash the clash of, of of ancient and modern i think is 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 disorienting and 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 a wonderful fabulous ju juxtaposition i mean that shot of the the tardis on the landscape is as i mean is as as perfect an encapsulation as doctor as you like you know a 20th century an, an ordinary 20th century site hoiked up and plonked somewhere totally where, where it is totally incongruous uh, and that's doctor who that's doctor who in a nutshell and the fact that it's a police box is a work is a is an idea of absolute genius um i mean i know we don't have them now but 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 uh, just aesthetically and and what it sort of represents uh is such a it's i mean it's a witty idea it's a cost saving idea the very core of doctor who is is a piece of genius the idea that the doctor's spaceship is what and also that it doesn't work properly which is why doctor who has always appealed to me a, a bit more than 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 things where where the heroes are in the best spaceship in the fleet and they're the best damn crew in the universe no these these are these are people surviving on their wits. They're a couple of school teachers, uh, and, and 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 a lunatic, and and uh, and a frightened but slightly strange eccentric uh, youngster, in in something that can travel through time and space, but not particularly efficiently. I love I love that. Um, and I, and I, I I still feel we can't quite get a grip on these episodes because not in the way that people could at the time because we know what what is to come imagine being there and i know a few people who were uh where this is the beginning of a journey oh to have been on it i mean i'd be a lot i feel my age now i'd be a lot older um uh, and, and hartnell is great isn't he he's such a good piece of casting and and, and he and he looks magnificent um Uh, uh, and 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 of course the idea that the that the doctor has something that we take for granted. I had matches. I can make fire with matches. We can make fire like that. And to these people, it is life and death. Uh, it is also power. Um, and but of course, then you've got the old mother in the corner. <laughs> she's the she's the troll. Going, everyone's going. Oh, we love fire. Fire would be brilliant. She's one goes. Well, I don't like it. Um, there's always somebody like that, isn't there, on <laughs> on any social media? <laughs> this is a brilliant thing. Yeah, well, it was better in the old days, um, or just or just I don't like it. Um, uh, and that's interesting because that wasn't always going to be the way that it was. The Doctor that saved Ian, um, but you know that kind of says, oh, the Doctor's that even though Ian is the traditional hero. I love this bit where Cal doesn't quite know how to articulate what it is that Barbara does to him. 
it's it's quite sort of adult and sophisticated and slightly dodgy. He clearly sort of covets her, but but it's not it's not done creepily or 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 sensationally. It's a bit more disturbing than that. It's got it's it's quite a sophisticated choice. Jeremy Young is excellent. Um, they're all. I mean, I think I think they're all great. Um, and there's a real, you know, um, Derek Newark looks like he's chewing on a piece of gristle. Jeremy Jeremy Young is g- g- keeps gradually trying to comprehend everything, and actually he's quite he's quite sad. I th- I I actually feel a bit of sympathy for Cal because he's the outsider and he's just trying to prove himself. And there is something rather forlorn about him. And then you've got this dynamic where. You know he can. You can. You can only have the chick if you if you make the fires are. Um, <laughs> I remember I, I. There's a comedian called Tom Stade who's very cool. He's a witty Canadian. He came to my house years ago uh, and, and said, "Oh, you got all the Doctor Who's. Show me. Show me the first episode." So we watched the first episode, and I thought that would be enough for him. And I and I certainly thought he doesn't want to watch the caveman, you know, rubbish or whatever. And he said, no, 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 show me the next one. So we watched this episode and, and I went, you've probably had enough now, Tony. He went, no, man, I want to see if, if Zar makes the fire. And we watched the whole of the Caveman four-parter, which is not a story I would ever choose to show anybody. Um, and he to- accepted it totally uncynically. Uh, uh, and uh, it, was, it, was, it was, I liked the approval because Tom is a cool guy and a brilliant comedian. And he's at my house um, having a smoke and, and watching the first episode, the first four episodes of Doctor Who, and, and absolutely taking them on their own terms. Uh, yeah, all right. Yeah, she's she's there on iTunes giving file one star. Everyone else is going. This is brilliant. It keeps us warm. We really like it. Uh, it cooks food. She's going. One star will kill us all in the end. Uh, she's she's the original. Keyboard warrior, <laughs> Eileen Way. Yes, Way. Um, love the way that Warris is saying shoots, uh, you know, through things and over things. And isn't there something about skulls and bones that are just creepy and uh, off-putting and unsettling, you know? And and I and I find that sort of ties in with what we're doing here. We're watching. You, you, you know, we're trying to touch the past, oh, and a lot of these people are, are are dead, and all of this stuff is, you know, dust dust in the wind. Uh, and 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 I find that whole experience of, you know, that this stuff is there forever and captured on film and on tape forever. Uh, and you know, we've met some of us have met some of these people, although, you know, William Hartnell was dead when I'd been alive for only a year so it never would have happened but 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 you know there's something about a skull which you know was once a person which was once um, somebody looking as an, an articulate and feeling things just as I am now in the same way that everything we're watching was once solid and color and the people were present uh, and now they're sort of dusty black and white evocative uh, recordings little snapshots, snapshots of history and I find that um, one quite moving, but 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 also quite upsetting, uh, 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 and also quite creepy and strange, um, and I think all of that is 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 encapsulated, you know, in in, in is is part of the the, the enjoyment of of Doctor, Who. and none more so than these three episodes because because they're the first 
you know, they're the initial footsteps uh, into the long history that we now have. Oh, I like that a lot. Uh, I think for this episode, it is good, isn't it? And it's so simple. I mean, the story is not up to much. And I think, and I think, you know, I think Verity Lambert and David Whittaker's disquiet, the producer and script editor's disquiet, uh, that the caveman story was perhaps not the the best way to kick off this series that they had high hopes for because they did i mean there's i know there's yes it only ran for it was it was only to run for 13 episodes well actually when they were announced doc two they say this is going to run all year they had they did have but I, I think we sometimes like to say oh it was just this humble little thing that stumbled into existence and and became a legend no that they, they, they had high hopes for it sydney newman the, the, the who who you know largely conceived it uh, although they had focus groups and things like that um you know was telling stuff this is going to be great and it's going to last a whole year um now there were people within the bbc who had other ideas and my god some of the design department people hated it um uh but but yes to kick off this series the idea of a sort of squabble in a cave um is perhaps not the most but it is it is what we see as the beginning of history it's the beginning of human history so i suppose it is appropriate uh, but it's telling that they've never gone you know they've they've never gone that far back they did david whitaker did try to have a caveman in evil of the daleks called og and and that, and that didn't happen so he he didn't learn <laughs> but but actually that's going to be my choice is i think the cavemen are better than we deserve i think it's quite a hokey idea uh, and as I say, I think they're in a story that's not the most fascinating or interesting or, or sophisticated. And yet the actors, and I think particularly Jeremy Young, Derek Newark, and as we will see later, she hasn't had a lot to do this episode, Alethea Charlton, who I think is quite extraordinary in some of the later bits, um, I I think do... Are absolutely committed but also make very very intelligent choices and it's not fun stuff to act actually ripe dialogue is good to act thoughtful philosophical stuff is good to act witty light stuff sort of grunting simplicity is not ever going to win you any awards um uh, uh, um you know that that as a that kind of lack of sophistication of character is 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 not showy um and does not is is not usually what people will sort of highlight as being you know great examples of the the acting art but i think these examples are because they actually shouldn't be um and and because and because of um I, and i think that the the way that the dialogue has has been rendered and the thought processes have been put in helps but i know that the actors also um worked on the dialogue to slightly coarsen it up and to add grunts and um but but also that bit with no dialogue that jeremy young did when he when he sort of approaches barbara is, is really unsettling and extraordinary so the the way that the cave people do their thing but particularly uh yeah that 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 sort of triumvirate um uh is going to be my thing for episode two what's jim sankster's jim it by the way is a very very nice fellow 
and I used to watch him on the telly and on DVD extras. I think, oh wow, imagine, imagine, uh, uh, you know, being in a position where you're asked to do that sort of thing. So I was very envious of Jim. So um, it was lovely uh, to meet him and find out he was such a nice chap and he's very clued up. Um, okay, Jim, what you got? My best thing that I love in the Cave of Skulls is the guest cast. And I know you'll mention this, Toby, because, well, it's you. So there's obviously Jeremy Young, who's the show's first villain, and he's self-serving, deceitful, murderous. He's a monster. He's fantastic. You've got Derek Newark, who's surprisingly sympathetic. We feel sad that he doesn't have the mental capacity to understand the time traveller's needs for freedom because he has to think of the needs of the whole tribe. And, and these are his ticket to becoming the firemaker. But the best of the lot is Eileen Way. She gives a beautifully grotesque performance as Old Mother. You know that bit when Old Mother tells Zar that fire will kill us all in the end? Um, and it reminds me of the fact that the next story takes us to a planet where the forests are ashen and most of the population has died out in a neutron war. They literally died in fire. So whether by accident or design, there's some lovely foreshadowing there. Uh, isn't that true? I, I think I'm allowed that because uh, I think I'm allowed that because I did mention them all, even though I highlighted, I think, the, 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 the three. Um, I, 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 I think I'm going to allow myself... Um, because I would say I said the cave, the way the cave people are portrayed. Um, I think we have enough crossover that Jim and I, and this is this is only going to be three episodes. So I, oh, it'd be nice if I come on, give me this. Um, so I think we go into episode three with it being one one point to me. Um, and I I do think that that is I love that observation that yeah the old mother. The, uh, the, the original troll, fire will kill us all in the end. And uh, as he says in the next story, that's, that's exactly what's happened to the denizens of, of, of Scaro. And that's, of course, lest we forget, what is hanging over 1960s, um, well, not just Britain, but the, the, the world. You know, the, the, the Bay of Pigs uh, wasn't too far away when, it, you know, people genuinely thought, I've talked to my mum about this, genuinely thought that the world could um, be subjected to a nuclear war that would wipe out lots of people. That was a genuine worry. So much so that a lot of people went on anti-nuclear marches. And amongst those on the anti-nuclear marches were members of the theatrical profession um, because actors can be a bit, uh, can, can be a bit uh, 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 demonstrative about their political views. Um, and amongst those on the Aldermaston marches against nuclear war was Eileen Way, uh, who is a committed uh, peace activist and left winger. And I like to think that on the Aldermaston marches, she held a placard high saying, fire will kill us all in the end. <laughs> it hasn't killed us yet. Um, uh, uh, but... Uh, Jim Sangster has helped to light the fire within me that uh, loves these episodes and indeed all episodes of Doctor Who. Thank you for joining me uh, watching these ones and uh, uh, I will see you uh, for a bit of alliteration in the Forest of Fear next time. But till then. Ta-ta.
Well, welcome everybody. That was Jim Sankster introducing the idea that we are watching the first Doctor Who story, but without the sort of weight at the top end of the first episode. We're watching the caveman bits, uh, episodes two, three and four of this, of which this is episode three, The Forest of Fear. Uh, those of you watching the YouTube version, if you're listening to the podcast, there is a visual version of this uh, which comes out a little bit later where you can see what a mess my hair is in and how long my moustache is or isn't um, uh, uh, I, I, I felt I'd, I'd done some lovely stuff to, to, to one of the cameras um, you know just hitting it at the right time and making a couple of salient points and looking at the camera unfortunately the camera wasn't looking at me well it was but just my knee uh, so it's not fire that will kill us all in the end on this podcast it is incompetence namely mine apologies i mean i, I suspect not being able to see my face uh, is is not the worst thing that's going to happen to anybody but nonetheless i'd i'd like to do this as well as possible but i seem hampered by my own incompetence anyway um with that out of the way episode the third ever episode of doctor who jim sankster is going to tell us his favorite thing at the end he's chosen the guest cast already for episode two so that is out and i i was there as well i sort of talked about the caveman cave people performances so at the moment it's one nil to me um so um because for the uninitiated my guest chooses their favorite things about the story I have to see if I can choose the same things, and if I choose more of the, if, if I choose, if the majority of my choices are the same as their choices, I win. Which currently, at the time of recording, has never happened, and who knows, perhaps never will. But let's see if I do get a victory. If it's going to take place in the forest of fear, and so I would ask you to press play. I'm watching on the BBC DVD box set. Uh, so I will be pressing, I'm on episode select, I will be pressing select in three, two, one. Uh, and so it takes a while to kick in. So if you've just pressed play, you're already ahead of me. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry about that. So um, I've asked subscribers to my Patreon page as well. Oh, is that a plug for that? No, it's a subtle mention that uh, is a, a plug if you choose it so to be. Um, uh, have 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 uh, come to me with their thoughts, theories, and observations, which I will be perhaps uh, feeding into this as we go along. Um, one of them is uh, very appropriate to this episode. One of them is utter madness, and one of them is very sweet. And I'm very very grateful to them all. Um, so this is a this is a refilmed. Uh, uh, episode reprise some some sometimes it's a what they do is they just take a film recording um uh, of of last week's and snip it on the beginning but uh, those are that's a different skull layout i think i prefer the one from last week with the skull on its side that one looks a bit more posed but it starts with a close-up of the doctor being desperately sorry uh, it's interesting where we we sort of hang on things like that. that's that's quite an important uh, uh moment where it shows that he's not the uh, uh, just the entirely erase uh, uh, um irascible and abrasive character that we so often 
talk about William Hartnell as being. That's partially because there was a sort of almost a group hallucination, I think, from people working at the part uh, 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 in the show. Those very first interviews with people that was, uh, was, oh, yes, William Hartnell was very old and he was very grumpy and his doctor was very grumpy. Well, one William Hartnell was 55, which is not that old. Um and and he may have been quite grumpy, but there's also lots of stories about him being very, very lovely. Um, and I think he, he had difficulties. Um, uh, but also his doctor is not uh, entirely 100% irascible. I, I love this. This is the this is the 1960s, lost 1960s drama school art of uh, holding something very still while the episode title and writer appear over it. In this case, it's Eileen Way holding a stone knife and blade and she's she's looking at the camera there as well again Warris Hussein shooting through uh some hole in the cave here um which goes to show what an inventive director he is and how ambitious he is with his his camera work I think that that that, that slightly displaces our our characters and has us eavesdropping on their plight somewhat um, they don't have wrote look at uh, the wonderful Jacqueline Hill on her front here they're, they're, they're very down and dirty they do as we see in this story get uh, grubbier uh, than I think in any other time uh, in, in the classic series the TARDIS crew um, I like uh, well, Ian Chesterton William Russell there did Telling the doctor, you know, don't sit there and criticise us. He's 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 gutsy and he's got fire, Ian. And uh, I and and you know they, you, you know we're we're working out the dynamic here. And and the doctor says it blatantly. We have to we have to free Ian because Ian is the is is the sort of action hero for want of a better word. Uh, you know, he's the one that's more likely to to be able to get them out of there. Um, but later on in this story, you, you know, Ian, when they say, who is your leader? He says, oh, the doctor is. The, the women get a slightly rougher deal. Um, you know, we, we, there's no point in, 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 in apologising for hist history, really. And I think within the confines and the limitation of what drama did, and sometimes when you, you watch other old dramas, you know, w w women get a pretty rough de deal uh, uh, across the board. So within the context of the time, um, we're certainly lucky with the two actresses that we have and in spite of some of the very limiting things that they're given to do I also think they get that they get they get brilliant stuff to do but I think in this story particularly they do do they do get a, a, a quite a rough deal in 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 these episodes um, especially I think J Jacqueline Hill who, who proves herself to be uh, a, a, an absolutely superb actress and is and is given much better quality material later on fear makes companions of all of us that's a that's a wonderful line and and one that has stuck um hartnell looks slightly wretched there doesn't he slightly uh uh you know he's not dominating he's not he's not he's not he's not he's, he's not full of authority he's not the stuff of legend he's a slightly lost uh uh you know a slightly lost old man there and i he's vulnerable i like that um yeah the other thing Jim, Jim, and I hit upon the same thing about the, 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 the cave characters. Is that I, th I think both both Jeremy Young and Derek Newark show the sort of thought processes that the, the, the characters are doing. They are they are slow witted by modern standards, and by modern I mean also nineteen sixty three. And and they and they show their their characters sort of minds sort of ticking over concepts that are difficult. I, this is a slide cheat, isn't it? The idea that we're 
We're stuck in a cave. We can't get out. What are those twigs in the corner? Oh, nothing. Well, except they're just covering a massive hole in the side of the cave through which you could escape. But, the shooting also favours the, the, the faces. This isn't a, a, a brilliant example of it because he, he gets closer, um, particularly on Newark, uh, in a lot of places, although here we are, a, a closeness of, uh, of Alethea Charlton. He trusts his actors so much that he can get right up close to them. And, and look at the way that Alethea Charlton's eye sort of narrowed slightly and thought and then, then, then brightened. Um, the, 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 every little sort of bit of facial expression uh, is, is, is trusted here and, and shows a lot that the dialogue isn't doing. Look at, look at Newark sort of, yeah, as I say, his, his, his mind is sort of ticking over and, uh, uh, and, and, the, and, oh, and the black makeup on the teeth, by the way, is also very effective uh, to, 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 to try and show that these aren't 20th century humans, despite the fact that they are played by people our size, our posture, you know, uh, uh, our teeth. Um, but they've, they, I, think I think they've gone for it very well and 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 the, the faces are great that it's it's really good casting um but I, ca I can't choose the the actors this week because i chose them last week um so listen up um mark owen um not that oh oh hang on uh the first example of uh, uh a polystyrene rock acting in the show's history they they do a they do a decent job of it. You can slightly hear the the, the polystyrene uh, rock. Uh, you know the the the, the it, it's it's very difficult to disguise. But but viewers at the time, I mean, you were used to that sort of thing. You were used to you were used to rocks that you know were largely sold to you by the the, the valiant efforts of the performers. Um, I actually think the set design here is in this series is very good. Barry Newbury. I, I, who did most of the historicals and Ray, and Ray Cusick are real heroes of 1960s Doctor Who. Um, and that's a compromise, that, that that hole in the wall. It was supposed to be high up, I think, and they were supposed to climb through, but there's only so much you can do in a studio. But there's there's little recesses in these and the, and the, and the use of the skulls and plenty of bits to shoot through. I think, you know, seeing as it's a cave, I think the designer gives the director lots of options that he... Uh, that he, uh, he uses to their full advantage. Um, Derek Newark does a bit of sort of twitchy eye stuff as well. Again, that that that, that suggests the the whirring motors in it, the whirring synapses of this, as I say, less sophisticated human. It's 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 great stuff. Um, but Mark Owen, uh, 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 not that one. <laughs> Although. Um, uh, Howard Donald has sent me some amazing observations on the sensorites. Um, no, Mark Owen uh, from my Patreon page says, um, I have a theory here that bounces merrily on the diving board of nerdiness and plunges into the deep end of retconning fanboy nonsense. I, I mean, I think it's worth it for that sentence alone. This jungle set's good too, by the way. Here goes. Episodes two, three and four of An Unearthly Child are set on Gallifrey. The fast return switch being activated but not quite working correctly. By giving the tribe the secret of fire, the Doctor and Chums take the very first step towards the technology of the Time Lords. The Doctor 
has written his own future from the start. I apologise for the advanced nerdiness of this, and yes, I do have a life. I'm just grateful for the chance to get this off my chest without having to compile an A5 photocopied fanzine. Well, I mean, it's a theory, and if you your canon is what you want your canon to be, I, 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 I I'm, I'm enchanted by that idea. I, um, I, I, I actually like less the Doctor being a part of Time Lord lore and 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 a pioneer and uh, 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 and a history maker than a sort of you know, slightly underachieving travelling loon who nonetheless does what is right and uses intelligence and invention and, and, and moral conviction to 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 do amazing things despite not being the best at anything. I, I prefer I prefer the doctor to be an ac- accidental tourist rather than the stuff of legends, but that's because I I, I think I think of myself as accidental rather than legendary uh, Andrew yeah. I've, I've, I've said before and we'll say again I think we create the Doctor in our own image sometimes um, but I, I nonetheless I like the chutzpah of that uh, theory um, I'd watch these four doing anything again poor old Jacqueline Hill there has, has had to be scared of something uh, was it off camera I know we do see the we see the creature slightly later and, and and the men here have to be very concerned for the women, uh, which which dates it. Um, uh, but but these these two men are excellent. Uh, I I I I like their fiery, uh, sp- splenetic uh, uh, d- dynamic that they've got there. Ian takes no nonsense, and that but the doctor, you know, the doctor puts puts up a front as well um but it, it makes for it it makes for a a testy dynamic which i which i really like the camera goes nice and high there uh the camera works right because that's the other thing morris hussein's camera does is it creeps around uh in, in, in quite and again quite a, an un, unsettling way and these sets are a tiny but they do it they do they, they they do a good job with them um uh and there's this, the, the sound effect there because we yeah we're gonna have the we're gonna have the animal, which I for, for the too much information uh, the sister podcast to this where I dissect this piece by piece I'd I'd started typing up when Zara is attacked by a bear you don't actually see uh, what it is and I don't think it specifies what the animal is and I know in early drafts it was a it was a panther but uh, I I think it's yeah, yeah, yes uh, and I and I know that um, Barbara was originally supposed to get blood on her hands here which would make her his hysterics um slightly more justified but it they, they 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 don't go for it as disgustingly as it as it was in the in the script although again that shooting through the 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 head of the carcass uh does the job it's it's it suggests it rather but uh, again poor old jacqueline hill uh, i i uh, i i feel for i don't think she does anything wrong but barbara has to do a lot of being alarmed um for quite a long time uh but that's good isn't it when you see that the the, the travelers go and then uh the, the 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 two cave people come come into focus following them um and i love this shot of the four the four regulars uh 
and again the light bouncing off their 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 faces um is is a really good image uh and again you know the the the, the whole plot of this episode is basically that it's the forest of fear it's it's crossing from the cave to the it's it's the bit in between the cave of skulls and the tardis um now there's yeah so uh this this we're about to come a, a, across a slightly controversial bit which um is what nathan moore has uh uh has has emailed me about um alethea charlton's keening here is superb um and they're having to sell this attack with without us seeing it because that's television at the time we can't show an unspecified animal attack for a number of reasons so alethea charlton's off-screen slightly odd but deliberately odd uh, keening whale uh and 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 the alarm shown by the travelers is 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 what tells us what's gone on and there's a recording break to uh, apply a bit of bloody makeup to uh Derek Newick's chest uh and I and I love her instinctive um protection of 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 her man here uh and 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 that sort of that that mistrust and that, and that, as I say that sort of instinctive almost animalistic protective urge um I I it's because because I used to think of Alethea Charlton as quite a, a sort of mumsy sort of actress, but she's really not. She's really, it's a really clever in this. And again, not award-winning type of stuff, not particularly rewarding type of stuff, but she absolutely commits and she makes some really clever choices um, in, in in a role that I think a lot of people could have just, you know, done the, done the basics with. Uh, so... Uh, Nathan Moore says, The Tribe of Gum, uh, what are your thoughts on the Doctor threatening the life of a caveman during the first story? Is it, it a too obvious indication of his morally ambiguous beginnings? Well, I don't know if if it could be... Can it be too obvious? I mean, it it, it is quite... Oh, it's coming up. It it hasn't happened yet, but it, it's, it's, it, it is quite obviously staged. There's nothing in the way that William Hartnell grabs the knife that suggests he's he's attempting subterfuge so he was always going to get caught um yeah you tell him barbara um and 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 the doctor sort of has a point uh he's you know funny enough the episodes i've can I say this because of the running order? Yeah, the episodes I've just watched actually are is is the parting of the ways, where the Doctor refuses to be a pragmatist and goes, "I'm not going to blow up the whole of the Dalek fleet," which is a really interesting bookend to this, where he goes, "I, uh, you know, um, this this guy's an unsophisticated savage." Uh, that yeah, yeah. I mean, he's essentially saying that you know, yes, these aren't very developed people so therefore you know their lives aren't worth quite so much now if you're escaping potentially you know escaping with your lives that that, that is not an un 
reasonable standpoint. It's not necessarily the standpoint you want from the hero of a of a of a child friendly tea time series, which makes it interesting. But of course, oh, don't say interesting, Toby. Which which um, you know just just play with our sensibilities. And of course, as Doctor Who fans, I think you know we largely go as a bit of an aberration that moment because the the Doctor, as well as giving up spoken smoking you know in this first story also gives up murder <laughs> um and, and we and we choose to overlook it but it you know it does happen um and of course there's a there's a there's a there's a contrast um with what happens here because uh you know czar holds a knife and there's nobody there to, uh, sorry cal holds a knife and there's nobody there to stop him uh whereas what we're about to see now is that is the doctor also pick up a knife but uh it is the influence of 20th century mankind um that stops him behaving like interestingly ah i need an interesting box like the 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 cave the caveman that he has just condemned he's just said look these people are unsophisticated savages um so we should we should leave him and now he's about to pick up the knife and go and in fact kill him and we've just seen one of the unsophisticated savages do just that kill somebody with with the same sort of weapon so the the story kind of points the finger at the doctor in more ways than one um and 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 when, when mentioning that i love that bit that alethea charlton does when when she's when she's over over Zara and not quite understanding the motives of of the twentieth century people who's you know who yes they're not speaking a foreign language linguistically but they are you know morally and uh, and in terms of motivation uh, and 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 Hartnell holds himself brilliantly here and his facial expression is absolutely fantastic those darting eyes. Uh, that sort of aloof pragmatism that he does, but uh, yeah, he's he's not very subtle here. Um, <laughs> um, but it's it's there to it's 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 there to illustrate that the Doctor is a shifty anti-hero, which is definitely how producer Verity Lambert always described him as being anti-establishment and anti-hero. But they never, as I say, they they they. I mean, he's he's still duplicitous later on. He's duplicitous in the very next story, isn't he? He, he, he his 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 dishonesty um, uh, causes the whole adventure. So, uh, so it's always worth. I think remembering, and the series does carry on reminding us. You think of Tom Baker's detachment about death, and uh, uh, that's just one example of it. And, and, and Baker's uh, John Pertwee's arrogance, um, his pride. You know, the, the the Doctor is not always nice and likable, and our friend, uh, and and yet we we love the Doctor. Well, I do. Um, Howard Lang here from the Aneedin line. Uh, man of the sea uh if you want to find out more about him listen to my too much information podcast where i'll tell you even what football team he supported that's the stuff god toby your niche i'm like <laughs> uh, i was just gonna compare myself i was gonna say i'm like if I, i'm like 
I'm, I'm like a prostitute that dresses in a cagoule and recites the lyrics of Kajagoogoo. You know, I'm uh, somebody. Somebody wants me, but it, I'm, it's very bespoke uh, and probably slightly perverse. The old mother, the first death in Doctor Who. So Eileen Way uh, paved the way to uh, many more murders. Uh, how many on-screen deaths have there been in Doctor Who? I'm sure somebody has done a tally. Um, but naughty cow, you fibber. Um, uh, uh, but you don't. You, but also interesting. You 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 interesting. Um, you don't see her die. It's a it's an off-screen death. Funny enough, a bit like Clive in Rose when Doctor Who comes back, who also dies off-screen. And I remember thinking, oh, can can you not show death on screen anymore? Doctor Who later got very bloodthirsty, but how interesting that the first, yeah, the first character death in uh, in in 2005 was off screen in the same way that the first character death is is here. Um, and of course, um, one of these one of these cave people didn't make it to episode three. Margot Maxine. I wonder where she is who uh, walked off set on recording day of episode two. Uh, oh, and here's a bit of film. Uh, 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 you know, showing, you know, the sanctuary of the TARDIS is blocked off. So they've been very quick, actually, if you think about it. And Jeremy Young having to do with his face at the end of the episode, what Eileen way, and what a face. That's a brilliant shot. And there you're really trusting your actors, but he's having to hold that for a hell of a long time as the vision mixer fades very slowly to black uh, i bet as soon as that was finished he went oh thank christ for that <laughs> that's the last time that credit's on by the way special effects by the visual effects department of the bbc that is not on the next episode um uh so um i i have to think of something to choose for episode three uh, so I will pause. Oh no, I don't need to pause. It's going to go to the to the menu. What is my favourite thing about episode three? Now it could be the set design. It could be Warris Hussein's shooting of faces. But oh, is Jim Sangster going to choose that? Is he going to choose that? Uh, it's not going to be the death of the old mother, is it? Is it going to be the doctor threatening to kill? Zar. I mean, that's that's the moment of the week. That's the bit to write home about. That's the historical anomaly that is is is, is probably you know if, if looking back now that is the most notable uh, aspect of the episode because of all it throws up and because it's an unusual moment and because it it, it speaks to how different people view exactly who and what the Doctor is. And I think it's I I I think it's nice how the episode. Um, you know, has has Cal doing the, the similar thing? That's a that's an an interesting um, symmetry that I I'd not necessarily noticed before. Um, I, I Barry Newbury set design, Norman Kay's music, which I haven't talked about, but it's it, it would be a cheat to choose it, having not spoken about it here. But I I do like his music. I'll maybe save that to talk about next. Uh, week and I also next week have a have a lovely uh, way to open with um, uh, uh, 
a viewer and listener who has sent me in a lovely observation um, about watching this with his 12-year-old son. Uh, so I'll open next episode with that. I say that as much of a reminder to myself as to you. Um, but what will Jim Sankster have chosen? Uh, it's a tricky one. He might have chosen the set design, which is very, very good. But I, I think I have to be true to myself, and I think I have to say the camera work specifically is very well directed full stop but i think that's a slight cheat uh, and i love and i love the roving camera and i love the camera that goes through the you know shoots through the set and stuff but i particularly like the way he warris is saying trusts his actors and goes right into the actors faces and we have a lot of lingering close-ups there that 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 that, that sort of show the complex psychology that's that's going on behind the eyes uh, and that's a, a great trust in your actors, but it also makes for very striking visuals because of the way that it is lit and because of the way that they are made up. And I don't, it's not just the cavemen there. I, I, I think, you know, the, the, there's close-ups of of, 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 uh, of Hartnell uh, in particular, but all of, uh, well, and, 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 and uh, William Russell as well. So yeah, the close-ups, the, the, the actors' faces, um, the, the roving camera, the camera work, the camera work. What has Jim Sankster chosen? I bet he hasn't chosen the camera work. Best bit of the next episode, and actually it's it's all the way through the story, is the music. Ah. Especially the escape through the forest of fear. And I think it's a real shame that none of the original recordings for Norman Kay's serials survive because he destroyed them all. Apparently he felt that his TV work was beneath him and wasn't worth keeping. It's a small ensemble of musicians and it really adds to the creepiness and pace of the story. I absolutely love it. Uh, I do love the music, but and I did mention it, didn't I? But it, it would have been a cheat just because I didn't, I happen to not concentrate upon it on this particular commentary. That's the way that it goes. That's the nature of the beast and the format. Uh, so in the forest of fear, I was, uh, 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 I was flummoxed by my own format. Um, I'll take that. I, I mean, I, and I will talk about the music, the music next time, I think, um, because I'm not going to do it now because I have moving footage to talk over and um, I, I, I don't want to have gaps in that whilst I've overstayed my welcome here. So uh, without further ado, now that we know that <laughs> the Forest of Fear is uh, actually uh, on Gallifrey and they were they were early Shabugans. Um, with on that bombshell from Mark Owen. <laughs> well, uh, all I can say is take that. Ta ta.
Well, hello everybody. Uh, welcome to part four of Doctor Who. <laughs> the fourth ever episode and the final episode of the first story, which is either called An Unearthly Child. That's what I call all four, even though, you know, strictly speaking, I know that really only refers to the first episode. Some people call it 100,000 BC. I don't because that's relatively new and like the old mother I reject new things just on principle uh, and to others it's the tribe of gum and that's what uh, Jim Sankster my guest refers to it as in the uh, emails that he sent me uh, so uh, I th that's what he thinks it's called but whatever if I refer to it if any of those three things you know what I mean so you don't need to go oh, I think you'll find because um, it's a waste of your time and mine so um uh, I record this uh, deep in the uh, pits of uh, the plague and I have to confess I'm feeling slightly dis slightly underwhelmed today. I don't think I've achieved enough, I haven't exercised enough and I've eaten rubbish. And that sometimes happens uh, at the moment. So I've turned to Doctor Who to cheer me up. So, uh, and actually, so the timing is good because I was regretting not doing this last night when I did episodes two and three. But I've had a message from Andrew East, uh, who hoped he wasn't too late. Uh, and you, you weren't, Andrew, uh, that I'm going to I'm going to read now. So I'm not cheating over the episode. Dear Toby, you may remember that I posted a message on your Patreon feed asking if you would be interested in my thoughts, of my, uh, in the thoughts of my 12 year old son, Toby, poor fellow, uh, on the tribe of gum. I hadn't realised you'd given a deadline over that week for comments. Anyway, blah de blah de blah My wife and I are both teachers, uh, as well as my two children, coping with their own online learning. I'm hoping I'm not too late with Toby's thoughts, as he was quite excited about featuring in the podcast, although I'm aware it's now three weeks later. It's fine, Andrew, it's fine. I do hope you can find some way of including his ideas. I'm gonna! Toby is big into history, and so one of his principal takeaways from the story was the presentation of the caveman tribe. Hello, Toby, by the way. And this Toby liked the caveman tribe too. His favourite thing in the story was the fact that the caveman, the cavemen have a backstory, as he put it. You feel like they're proper characters because you know about what has happened to them before the story. However, he was also a little disappointed in what he feels are historical inaccuracies. Now, I'm not an expert, and he actually knows more than me, as he seems to absorb historical information like a sponge, so I can't vouch for the accuracy of this, but Toby reckons the tribe are too settled. He reckons that if they all have already had fire, then they should have moved on to farming. He believes that when tribes first had fire, they were nomadic, but this tribe seemed to be settled in one place. As I say, I've no idea if this is true. And I'm sure knowledge has moved on since this was written in 1963. But I thought it interesting and indicative of the show's original educational remit that it prompted these thoughts in him. Yeah, and, and two viewers did actually write uh, about some things they thought inaccurate about the tribe uh, at the time. Um, so that's that's very interesting. But also, I would say uh, Toby's probably right, because in my experience, I thought one of the things about getting older was you're able to tell kids that they're wrong about stuff because you're older and you know things. And I increasingly find my children actually know more about things than I do because they're still of an age where they can learn new things, whereas by my head is sort of slightly fossilised. 
<laughs> the one thing I thought you'd be able to do as a grown-up, which would be right all the time, just by dint of you being grown-up, it's not actually true. So, Toby, I think you're probably right, and uh, I like the application here. Uh, we're on to the Daleks now, and one thing he's noticed is the shift in relationship between, between Ian and the Doctor, who, in the Tribe of Gum, are quite antagonistic towards each other. But in the Daleks, Ian starts to respond more to what the Doctor says. I apologise if they're too late. It's not, uh, and I want to get Toby's thoughts on air. You're welcome, Andrew, and Toby, too. Uh, very interested uh, in your thoughts. I think those are great observations. And yes, the cave the cave people do have a backstory. Um, uh, and your historical thoughts there, Toby, are very educational. You're never too young to learn, which is something the old mother uh, should have... Uh, should have been responsive to instead she got a stone in the face so uh, thanks to andrew and to toby for that uh, always good to hear from people especially the young right uh we're gonna crack on with episode four i hope you have it uh, all ready and lined up let's see what we make of the fire maker press play now Uh, so here we go. Uh, episode four of, I suppose it's a three-parter because the, the first part has nothing to do with it. Um, oh, whatever. No, but it's a, it's one production block, isn't it? But then again, so is Mission to the Unknown and uh, Galaxy 4. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Who cares? We all know what we mean. We all know what we're watching. Uh, now, fans of Jeremy Young would have hoped that because he got the big close-up at the end of... Uh, uh, there's no forest set here, of course, because they... Uh, they, uh, they don't need the forest set this week, so Ian's in front of a drape. Um, but we don't get the close-up of Jeremy Young. Instead, we strut straight to the cave, and Howard Lang gets the first line, and because the guest cast are credited in order of appearance, he, old Hogg, who is definitely the smallest uh, guest character, gets, uh, gets top billing, which means that Jeremy Young, who is billed as the main guest star in the Radio Times, never gets top billing because, uh, because of the way that the credits work. Um... I, I I am probably the only person that cares. Now, interestingly, of course, um, they were taking Tsar to the TARDIS in order to get antibiotics to treat him. Uh, but they actually never get that far, but he gets better anyway. So it just goes to show um, the anti-vaxxers are correct. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Can you imagine? Tsar <laughs> does not want to go to the TARDIS for antibiotics. Uh, Zar thinks it's all a conspiracy to microchip the tribe of gum. <laughs> uh, oh, the parallels, the parallels. Uh, well, we are. We do seem to be being plunged into prehistoric times once again. Um, it's it's just because Jim was it Jim Jim that said he thought in in. Uh, in 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 his uh, appraisal of this, that that Cal was sort of totally evil. I I I do I feel some sympathy for for Cal. He's he's trying to survive, and he's not he's not malicious. I mean, I think I'd have killed the old mother. She was horrible. <laughs> and and he does and he does play it slightly guilelessly. You know the 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 he's he's slightly forlorn. Um, uh, but this is this is great work from the Doctor. So to go, your knife's rubbish, uh, and and Cal, because he's a bit, uh, he's 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 obviously not the Doctor's intellectual equal. Um, 
does his sort of Columbo Miss Miss Marple thing of going, uh, you are gathered in, the, <laughs> he's gathered everybody in the tribe's tea room and gone, the, the killer is in this very room. Uh, but he 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 did it very cleverly by going. Your knife's not very good. So this this is lovely stuff from the doctor, showing his his keen intelligence and uh, and I like the little bit of collusion with uh, with Ian there, where he sort of says, right, just you know follow what I'm doing and and let's 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 do a pile on. Let's do which which again I'm I'm in in this c current age of p people ganging up on people. Um, again, I, I do feel a little bit of sympathy for Cal here, um, even you know, even though it, he's only got himself to blame. I I don't like mob justice. Um, I I do like the way Derek Newark's sort of yeah, he's like he's chewing a wasp uh, to give him a sort of grimacey, you know, almost animalistic uh, quality. Um, and and what's even better, of course, is that in a conventional narrative, um, we, you know, Tsar would be kind of like, okay, uh, thanks very much. They said he shoves Ian out of the way uh, because our morality, where if, you know, if somebody helps us out, we sort of acknowledge that and, and perhaps give them what they want. He, he, he goes, okay, well, um, you've, you've, you've given me a profound line about. So not being uh, Cal, not being stronger than the whole tribe. Um, uh, now I'm going to stick you in the cave of skulls again, uh, which uh, uh, and I think showing that again it, it goes to how well I think the cavemen are, are done here, um, the, as, as well as the sort of guttural language and the slightly different thought patterns, but like like the thing about the 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 animal taking away the axe in its skull and all that sort of stuff. Um, uh you 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 have that 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 different morality about well just because they've helped me out doesn't mean we're all mates now do you know what i mean um and 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 it and, and it sort of plays into that idea that in these early years you know all of these characters are on the run essentially they're tr they're trying to get back to 20th century earth really but that and, and the ship is their lifeline um and essentially the adventures are the annoying things that happen in between them trying to get back to the ship, which is their only link with civilization. Um, which which means our, our our travelers are slightly, you know, sort of at sea, which which is really perilous because it means you can never relax within the adventure because the adventure isn't actually the bigger picture. Um and even though that it's not played as a story arc or you know a build up towards a season climax where they somehow get closer to to their goal or or, or anything they, they they don't do it like that it's the, even though it is one continuous adventure because we get a cliffhanger at the, at the end of even every story it it does feel like that's an you know that's an underlying dramatic um uh sort of underscore to, to, to the adventure of the week is that, you know, these are marooned, lost souls. Um, and I do hope that some people watching are giving this, uh, maybe people are, are, are different people's experiences are different, but, but, but my, my experience and my, and my feeling amongst friends and fans is that, is that these cave, 
people episodes are not given much heed the way that Alethea Charlton there does that I do not understand is superb um, and you can they're sort of yeah they're, they're learning about society this is very good um, but not in this is not a mawkish thing where you know people from our time come and wag their fingers at people from the past and they learn how to be better um, but but it, sho it shows that you know we are creatures who evolve uh, uh, and and with a little bit of prompting from from the time travelers, Zar is Zar is working out the more effective way to be leader. Um, uh, but you know he's he's he, oh he's a, oh, I just spilt I just spilt my drink. He's a leader. He's a leader, and I don't want to stop the podcast. Oh, he's a leader who. I might have to hang on. There was a recording break while the, the scene had to be reset to clear up the uh, drink that uh, the narrator dropped. Um, anyway. Uh, oh, dear. Um, anyway, sorry. Ap apologies for that uh, uh, technical glitch. Now, how easy is it to make... Because it was always a thing at school. Oh, yeah, you make fire by rubbing two sticks together but i remember us all having a go and uh, we never we never pulled it off um but uh, at least they you know they show it's hard um uh and, and ian really does put a load of labor into it uh, i watched castaway with tom hanks the other day which funny enough has a has a a, 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 a a similar quest uh for fire and again it 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 shows how much effort he really has to go into uh t to do that but obviously it is it is possible because um uh, that's how that's how we got fire but uh, uh i've never pulled it off myself uh, fortunately i live in a time when one doesn't have to but isn't it extraordinary how something that we take so for granted and look yes the doctor is the leader of the tribe that's very very interesting because he um i remember there's a there's a there's a wonderful blog that became a book called adventures with the wife in space by neil perryman and his wife sue um where where sue sort of says of this era it should be called ian because he's he's very much uh the hero um look at look at hartnell's keen uh intelligence and 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 sort of following the the, the action there um he's <laughs> he is he, he is a bit he's slightly uh, patronizing to the to the caver yes yes dear we're doing this for you but um um but they are they are they are slower on the up, uptake uh the cave people um and yes the fire maker is the least important because we can all make fire but of course if uh, this pandemic had taken over how many of us uh, had civilization collapsed how many of us that think of ourselves as being very clever and able to do important things in the 21st century um, I love that scene in the original survivors when Peter Copley and Carolyn Seymour have, have a chat and he goes you know how would you make a candle you know yeah all of these things that we think of are really simple other people do for us I couldn't make a fire. I couldn't make a candle. Um, 
uh, it's a lesson in sort of pragmatic politics as well. It's, and hogs are right. Hog changes like the wind. This common body like to a vagabond flag upon the stream. Um, uh, and also, and he uses his daughter as a sort of bargaining chip as well. Roommate fire, you can you can have you can have me, you can have my daughter. Charming. Uh, again, different different morality. Um, and is this? So I don't know who this extra is. Uh, but uh, is the second is the first person to die on screen, uh, pretty much in in Doctor Who. Uh, fire in the studio. Interestingly, because stop saying interesting. Um, there's no visual effects person credited for this episode. They've stopped with the credit special effects by the visual effects department of the BBC, even though Jim Ward uh, supervised the visual effects. And, 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 and because, and I think it's something like the demarcation of which department at the BBC was allowed to use fire, and, and one had a fire certificate, and I think the design department didn't, so visual effects had to because they were allowed to use fire. I mean, sounds nonsense, doesn't it? Um, oh, yeah, well, uh, and, and fire, I mean, fire in the studio is, is uh, you know, that wasn't a straightforward thing uh nor of course was a fight which is why they're they're gonna that th we're, we're gonna close in on the travelers and then we're going to go to a film studio uh for a beautifully lit uh fight scene that can be done with uh stunt doubles billy cornelius and Derek ware who was one of the first doctor who people i met because he was the sword master of a ludlow festival play that my brother was in which have i talked of before on this um and i love this fight because they bite each other it's pretty grim um uh, 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 and of course they revealed that they you know because they get a bit down and dirty they they have to be fairly blatant that they have caveman pants which they probably wouldn't have done at the time um there's all sorts of things they wouldn't have done at the time um it's but it, i think the set looks great the light looks great the 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 cutaways to close-ups of the travelers are good but this is this is a really grim and i like the way they they the the, the, the noises that they make that are quite because fight fighting is horrible uh, and it doesn't always sound nice. And, and, and of course, added to the fact that these are sort of, you know, savage early man. I think they I think they really do it well. And, and, and yeah, Derek Ware holds a place in my heart because he was the first sort of proper Doctor Who person I was in the vicinity of. Although I didn't meet him that time, but he, he then came back to Ludlow and I was I was working. So he came to ask for tea and I, I then met him a few times later. I, I, I actually suggested him for the DVD commentary for the mind of evil um which i think one of the first first time certainly the first time i've done a commentary i love that scream that uh, jeremy young does um famously of course there was supposed to be the sound of a, a stories uh, change whether it was a, a a cabbage with a hammer with a mallet or, or various different things the sound of a crushing skull which was removed. Uh, also, I think there's a suggestion that you're supposed to see a close-up of the damage that had been done. It works just as well without. I love the way Derek Newick drags the dead body off, really, and 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 his his, his leg goes up. Uh, it, it's it's really sort of unnatural and grim, and shows the shows the real sort of ugliness of death when when death often on, and fighting often on television is 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 quite is is quite slick and well choreographed. Uh, I think that's that's a fantastic uh, moment, and and I'm I'm especially pleased that because Derek Ware was my first sort of meet with someone from Doc Two that um of course that he was involved with the very first story. Uh, I mean, extraordinary, 
um, and and very pleasing. And he was a lovely man, Derek, uh, who who did you know, founded Havoc, the stunt agency, but worked in films as well. Worked on the Italian Job, uh, and was was a lovely, lovely guy. Um, Derek Ware, that is. Um, uh, and the fire looks great on screen as well. Um, you know, it's a, it's a fantastic visual fire. Um, but yeah, that 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 fight is pretty uncompromising and and very very well done. It's a showpiece moment. Uh, I think the fight was overseen by by Douglas Campfield. I've got a bugbear here where on IMDb. Uh, and therefore, as a result, in various quizzes, um, you know, Douglas Camfield is credited as director alongside Warris Hussain for production assistant oversees a, a scene or, or, or an aspect of production. They're, they're doing that as part of their role as production assistant. It doesn't suddenly mean they're co-director. Uh, and I think that's just somebody showing off on IMDb going, oh, I read a thing where it said Douglas Camfield directed a scene. Therefore, he is director of this like Warris Hussain. Well, OK, Derek Newitt co-wrote it because he added some of his lines. You know, D David Whittaker co-wrote it. I mean, you could you could add all sorts of lists of people um, because they, they contribute over the course of a production. This is directed by Warris Hussain. It is written by Anthony Coburn. Uh, despite the fact that uh, bits were done by other people, um, it's just uh, yeah. Um, I, I'm I'm not necessarily sure democracy uh, is a good thing when it comes to um, facts being written up on uh, websites like Wikipedia and IMDb because everyone has their own sort of funny little hills to die on, and it sort of muddies the straight straightforwardness um, in order that people can do their own art think all finds which are, I, I i never think are particularly helpful and and i think say more about the person doing it than the than the the truth behind the story but that's my own hill that i die on <laughs> so uh I, I i'm aware that uh uh i'm you know you i could be hoisted by my own petard on that one um they do get lovely and grubby here and oh yes practical uh practical uh lamb chops i think uh that's very good it reminds me of this this the story of the actor have i told this uh who's uh, in the play and he goes i'm uh you working love yes yes uh, what are you doing is it a good play no it's a terrible play uh uh good company no awful company oh uh, good money? No, the money is terrible. <laughs> Why are you doing it then? There's a practical sandwich in Act Two, uh, <laughs> uh, and it's either here or, and I think it might be more likely the episode two because he has a he, he's eating something in episode two as well that that Derek knew it got some of the fat from the food and put it in his wig. Oh no, you can see his wig's a bit manky there. Uh, put it put because he thought the wig looked a bit pristine, which I think is a lovely idea, but. Um, I mean, it wouldn't have done much for the uh, for the smell in the studio. It must have been pretty grim. No wonder everybody smoked. <laughs> must have got a bit stinky. But that fire looks great. Um, that's Caroline Ford's own uh, costume, isn't it? Because she had a different costume in the pilot, uh, and that's part of a suit. Uh, so she had matching trousers, and they were, I think, black and black and orange. Is it Mary Quant? I think. Um, so she, so she brought. I think, I think the matching trousers as well would have been pretty out there. But uh, yeah, I think she brought that in herself. I love that image of the the skull with the uh, 
with the with the flame sticking out that is i mean it's so simple such a simple idea and yet it looks brilliant in the black and white and you can you know you actually again sometimes i think things that portray savages uh, for want of a better uh, uh, phrase can be can be a bit sort of patronizing um and and not particularly convincing but i i i totally buy that these cave people would be uh, pretty alarmed by uh, this site, which is is pretty awful, um, and that's 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 a fantastic shot. And yeah, they're doing a good job there. Although you know, yes, why? I, 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 and they don't, and they and they do eventually see through it because yeah, it's not that it's not that convincing a trick. Put going, yes, those skulls on sticks, they are us. They could have put. They could have at least put um, Susan's top on one of the sticks or, or William Russell's shirt or something. Um, uh, and we're on film here, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, must be. Um, but it's great because, yes, so instead of the story, which would now probably end with, you know, the cavemen all sitting around the fire going, you've given us fire, Doctor, you are the stuff of legend. I know, aren't I? You know, it's rich. Um, uh, and everybody patting themselves on the back and the doctor and, and go doctor it's almost like you've helped the, the start of mankind I know because I'm involved in everything instead it's your pesky travellers uh, and you're going to escape by the skin of your teeth which I, I think is much more uh, my image of, of, of Doctor Who as a sort of series of random accidents and I love it when the doctor um influences big things um but but again more more because of uh, you know more by accident rather than design uh and, and not because the doctor is nearly a god and here's of course the famous uh they're uh they're running on the spot <laughs> and having the branches rubbed past their face uh because uh to, to make better use of the space now these cave men here are uh uh, among them are eight unidentified uh, extras. We don't have the paperwork saying who they are, but certain actors over the years have said they were among them. Roger Hammond, uh, Francis Bacon in The Chase, and Dr. Runciman in Mordred Undead. Norman Jones, Major Baker in Doctor in the Silurians, Chris Song in The Abominable Snowman, Hieronymus in The Mask of Mandragora, both claimed on separate occasions uh, to have been... Uh, a, a caveman in the first William Hartnell one, uh, and there's no reason why they wouldn't be, you know, very early in their careers. So who knows who else is hidden among them? They're very, it's very difficult to make them out. Sadly, um, uh, you, you, you know, you don't really get. And and that shot of the of the TARDIS going, the spears flying through, it was done was done when they did the uh, when they did the, when they did the f opening shots, uh, the, the 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 first bits of model work for the for the. Um, for the production on different days to when they did um, the, the stuff with the cave people. Um, and there we go. So the last thing we see of the nice caveman Czar is the fact that they're, he's, they, you know, they're chasing the doctor and chucking spears at them because look how disheveled they are. Um, I think that's, I think that's great. Um, uh, you know, they're flying from peril to peril and they're out of the, frying pan in well or or out of the fire maker into the frying pan even um in the frying pan of scaro uh 
Um, and of course, I remember w- watching this as part of the, the the five faces of Doctor Who, being quite surprised that um, it it ended on a cliffhanger. That was the first inkling I had that this was a sort of an adventure in time and space, space and time. Uh, and that's the it's a lovely model we get of a glimpse of the petrified forest. The fire has killed us all uh, on the planet Scarrow. Um, uh, and I just love the visuals of, the, of this of this crew. Hartnell looks great. That wig is is absolutely terrific. Um, he had a birthmark, you know, that was made up, covered by makeup every week. Um, but um, yeah, so we we I remember Five Face of Doctor Who going, oh gosh, it finishes now. Of course, and there's no explanation. It's just no, no next week. It's Patrick Trout in the Crotons. Um, but it's it's an extra it's an extra onus on the writer to go when you finish the story you have to you have to lead into the next one and Doctor Who does it with with uh, and they don't always do it to be fair and and they do it with um, with with varying uh, degrees of success I would say um, but there we go that is the first. I do like a cliffhanger at the end of a of a, I was just thinking about there's one at the end of Four to Doomsday isn't there and there's one at the end of uh, uh, Frontiers. Um, so it, it's not just confined to the Hartnell era. Um, Derek Ware got a credit there as well. And here we are. That is the end of the first ever Doctor Who story. I'm very pleased Jim chose that. I thought that was a, a good and an interesting choice. And I have to choose my favorite thing about episode four and a bonus thing well my favorite thing for episode four has got to be the fight i think it's really really good uh, the fact that it's on film means it looks a bit extra it's dirty uh it's it's screechy it's ugly uh and and deliberately all of those things which i think is very bold uh at a time when often um you know yeah fights had to look sort of, you know look quite choreographed i th- i i think i think that was a- admirably yeah admirably underhand in places biting and screeching and and uh and jeremy young's final screech that that sort of agonized animalistic catawall is 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 terrific so yeah that's my easy choice for part four and as for the overall thing that's hard i i think that that idea that that ties in with the grubbiness that ties in with the testy relationship that they all have that ties in with that last cliffhanger i i think i'm gonna blow it with jim because i think i'm being slightly too tenuously linked and abstract but this idea that this is an adventure this whole this this whole situation uh, is is an adventure for all of these four people, um, and that the and, and that they're they're on the run, even within the story. They're you know that the, the, and that the TARDIS is sanctuary and everything else is dangerous, and, and that this is a yeah this is a sort of grubby seat of the pants out of the frying pan into the fire continuous weekly rocket from jeopardy to jeopardy to jeopardy. Um, and and that even when a single story is over, the story isn't over because the story is these people are cut off. 
like Susan and the Doctor say they are in the first episode, Ian and Barbara are now cut off from what we know and trying to get back to us. Um, I don't think, I wonder if Jim will choose Warris Hussain, as, uh, whose direction is superb, but I, I, I can't really choose that because I, I think I alluded to it when I, when I chose my thing for, for episode two. And I could have chosen the music, but Jim has already chosen that. So uh, I, I think it had to be that. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if Jim chooses the fight. His bonus thing, I think, is going gonna, is gonna to do for me. But if he does choose the fight, that means I'm, that means I'm equal with him. Let's see. Wow. The best thing about the wow. Firemaker is that fight at the end between Cal and Zar. It's often difficult to be sure who's who, and it's proper violent, especially for the loser. <laughs> Splat. And finally, my bestest thing of the whole story. Well, it has to be William Hartnell, doesn't it? I'm sure you've picked this. By episode three, he's telling Barbara that fear makes companions of us all. And it's the first time he's shown any kind of compassion. But in episode four, he he drops the space step-toe act and becomes the smartest man in the room in the way he tricks Cal into exposing himself as the murderer of Old Mother. Finally, he's the hero we need him to be. He's not Dr. Foreman anymore. He's Doctor Who. Um, so that's that. Hope you enjoyed it. Do you know, you know sometimes when you read an article or you look at a television programme and you go, why didn't they think of that? Or why did they do that? That seems so obvious to do that instead. As soon as he said, just as he said, he's got, I thought it's William Hartnell. Of course it's going to be William Hartnell. It's the first story. He's the first Doctor. I highlighted loads of brilliant things he does from the way that he looks to the way that he outsmarts uh, Cal. Uh, and that journey that he goes on and the fact that he is, a le- you know, they point out him as the leader. It's obvious that it's William Hartnell and that William Hartnell is such a key to the success of that story. And I chose stupid threads that I all tied together. He was hiding in plain sight. And it's, 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 it's an object lesson in overthinking and sometimes not seeing the wood for the trees. Uh, but, but, but mostly, because sometimes when you have an article published and, then, and you've read it an, an, you know, a million times, and then there's a line that you put just as a sort of placeholder. So you hadn't paid it much attention. And then when it's in black and white, you go, oh, no, I didn't. Oh, and people go, well, that's an obvious mistake. It's only obvious if you're looking for it. And it's only obvious the minute. No, in fact, the second before he said it, it was obvious to me. Whilst I was talking to you and choosing, it wasn't obvious to me. Oh, I'm furious with myself because I could have won this one. I could have won this one. Uh, and I, I missed an open goal there. So I, I get a tie. I get a score draw to all, which I think is about the best I've done. Uh, was I similar with Terror of the Autumns with Richard Marson? But I'm kicking myself there. I could have, I could have, even Jim thought I was going to get that. Um, the quest continues. <laughs> so I suppose it's appropriate. I'll leave it on a cliffhanger. Uh, will I ever get more than uh, my guest? Uh, let's hear what Jim has to say about himself because he's a very creative and interesting man. And I'd very much like you, if you don't know him, to be uh, in- introduced to him and what he does. Um, I've just started a blog called EscapeToDanger.net where I'm reading all of the Target Doctor Who books in publication order. 
and I've just got proper grumpy about the Ice Warriors, so I'm probably going to be excommunicated from fandom anytime soon. Hope you're well. Take care. Bye-bye. Oh, I'm fascinated to see why he's grumpy about the Ice Warriors. In fact, it's come quite fashionable to knock the Ice Warriors full stop, even the TV version, and I remember when it was missing and everyone was desperate to see it. And I still like the Ice Warriors, but actually nobody's ever... Nobody's chosen it for this yet. Um, so that's something to look forward to. Fire and ice. Uh, we'll get round to, to, to it eventually. Um, oh, I'm annoyed I blew that. Sometimes stop, think, and you'll see the truth. Uh, and I didn't do that. Anyway, it doesn't matter it, because it doesn't matter. Uh uh, it's it's the journey that buffets us from from one episode to the next. So thanks for joining me for this. I've talked for half an hour rather than sat glumly on the sofa thinking about uh, all the things I haven't achieved today and the pestilence that surrounds us. And so that is something. Um, okay, I'm going to go and light a fire because uh, I, I want to feel well capable in that. Thank you for joining me. Thanks to Jim Sangster. And I'll see you next time. I think you'll find. 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 Do you know, actually, just as I've been saving that, I've been thinking. I do this all the time. I find myself going, oh, I need to, I need to fixate on that thing that annoys me about a certain thing that happens in the writing up and the truth of Doctor Who, because it has to be right. And, and in the end, I end up doing the very thing that the people that annoy me do. Um, and I did it in a quiz the other day where there was a bit where, and it was about this actually, it was about Douglas Canfield, how many Hartnell stories did he um, direct? And I just was going, leave it to it doesn't matter. And, and I went, well, oh yeah, but hang on, because this is this and this is it. And I interfered and it, and it made me, and it made me feel like a, an annoying smart. It made me feel like I probably came across as an annoying smart ass. Whereas if I just shut up, and left it, it all would have been fine because other people would have sorted it out and I'd have come away from that quiz and not then spent the evening regretting my own I think you're finding, which I hate when other people do. Uh, and, you know, who knows, the person that put Douglas Canfield on IMDb, I've characterised them as going, oh, I found out a thing, aren't I clever? They could have been instead. Why don't I go... Oh, it's somebody who's gone, oh, yeah, I read about Douglas Canfield directing that scene. So that's a really interesting nugget. So I'll go on IMDb and I'll put that. It could have been really enthusiastic. It could have been they're, they're trying to uh, commit to the great, you know, the, 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 the sum of knowledge. It could have been something they did with with joy and um, uh, in, in a scholastic or, or an historical approach. I disagree with their findings, maybe. But, um, yeah, so it's a, that's just a reminder to myself. I have to hold my hands up and go and even as i was saying in the in the episode actually i was going why am i getting why am i doing that uh and i didn't want to then come to have to edit this and listen to myself doing something that annoys me and then put it out there and then spend the rest of the day worrying that i put it out there with me doing something that had annoyed me so i've said before you've got to the closing titles that that bit if that annoyed you yeah it annoyed me too and i it annoyed me as i was saying it and yet I still said it. Uh, I don't know what that proves, but um, I think I feel better for getting it off my chest. Oh, I mean, and none of it really matters. Um, I mean, 
you know, they're all getting carried away about fire 100,000 years ago. They're all dead now, aren't they? So um, <laughs> this will all be dust in the wind. But nonetheless, it seems things do seem terribly important at the time, don't they? Anyway, I hope all I've done with your time is to make it pass slightly quicker, even if it's just helped you go, well, at least I'm not hit. At least I'm not that guy. Uh, you're not. Um, but I'd, I'd be very pleased if you joined that guy next time he has verbal diarrhea and self-abasement in equal measure, which is what this podcast should be called. And on yes, look forward to the next episode of Verbal Diarrhea and Self-Abasement with me, Toby Haydock. Thank you very much and good night. Thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, Doctor Who Chat and Self-Flagellation, presented by me, Toby Haydock. My special guest was Jim Sankster, who is on Twitter at Monster underscore Maker, at Monster Maker. Please do follow him. I'm very indebted to him and to my patrons, who include Mark Aldridge, Kit Allen, Sebastian Apriel, Tilt Ariza, Simon Ash, Richard Alt. Thomas Banks, Martin Bellum, James Blackett, Robin Bland, Kyle Bores, David Brody, Nigel Brumley, Hugh Buchtman, Anthony Carroll, Anthony Carroll, Phil Chapman, Susan Christian, Steve Churchill, Charles Coffin, Paul Colnaghi, Paul Cornell, Leslie Coots, Peter Crocker, Dave Curran, Paul Philip Dalgren, Matt Dale, Rob Dawson, Chris Davis, Robert Davis. Tim Dickinson, Paul Dykes, Andrew East, Andrew Egan, Mark Findlay-Smith, David Gillespie and Charles Gears. The music for this podcast is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. What a lovely list of names and you can join that list at patreon.com forward slash Toby where you will be able to access early releases, exclusive releases and bonus material and all sorts of access and interactive stuff. Um, you can tell me what it is you want and I will probably do it because uh, I'm very acquiescent from as little as £3 per month and you get 10% off that uh, if you sign up for a year in one go. Now, I know that times are tough and a monthly commitment is quite a big one so how about going to ko-fi.com forward slash Toby Haydock anytime you're feeling flush and you think I, I seem in need of sustenance and you can bung me whatever you like there. But I know that times are very, very, very tough. So look, I don't expect anything. I'm just grateful that you're listening. But what costs you nothing in these tough times is to zip along to iTunes and Apple and all those places where you get your podcasts from and to give Toby Haydock's time travels five stars. Five stars really does help tweak those algorithms and make me look awfully saucy to passing trade uh, and it costs you nothing to do five stars and perhaps a couple of lines of review that will just direct people here and mean that uh, that I can uh, increase my trade which, which makes me sound well you know what it makes me sound like and I've just been sounding like it for about the past minute but there we go <laughs> You can also avail yourself of my live comedy shows at Excess Malarkey Comedy Club. That's been running for 24 years. All sorts of brilliant comics have played there and continue to do so. That's in Manchester, though, at 8pm every Tuesday. If geography scuppers you, you can get a taster of it at twitch.tv forward slash Excess Malarkey. There's an archive of our online shows there, but we also do a live broadcast on the first Sunday of every month at 8pm, and it's me, introducing some of the best comedians from around the world. It's a bit ruder than this podcast, though. Be warned.
I do like Jim Sanks, do you know? We've only hung, hung around probably a dozen or so times, but uh, I met him on the old Doctor Who road, uh, and he, uh, uh, well, talking of the road, he designs all uh, the sort of placeholder images for, for radio plays when they're sort of put online. So uh, all of the lovely artwork that has accompanied any of my Radio 4 plays or shows has been done by Jim. Um, not because the media is all some big conspiracy, it's because that's his job and I happen to have uh, uh, put some stuff into uh, an area where his job required some input. But uh, isn't that lovely? Uh, and he's a, he's a thoroughly nice chap. And if you follow him online, you will see all the sort of um, action figures, as it were, that he makes himself. He's an absolutely brilliant designer and he creates his own uh, uh sort of minifigures and stuff that you know that aren't available the wonderful creativity of doc two fans some people like jim use their uh, enormous skill to be really really creative whereas i just use the skill i have to say the names of character actors and what else they've done at moments that are of interest to very few people but you know we are all created in different ways i am what i am <laughs>